And welcome to the season finale of the Faraway Friars podcast. Omar, it's been a interesting season, to say the least, for the 2023 Padres. Today is the day, of course, we wrap a bow and close the book on the season. How are you feeling? Uh, yay, no Padres baseball. I haven't watched a baseball game since, like, three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Padres business side, I am doing well. <laughs> um, it was kind of hard to deal with the end of the season. It was nice to see them make that little run at the end, of course. Too little, too late. But today we're going to highlight some good things that happened during the season, of course. And we're going to be looking ahead towards the offseason because that's where everybody's head should be. We'll also talk about the league as a whole. The playoffs are going on right now. As of recording, the division series have just wrapped up. We'll be looking at what's happened in the MLB playoffs and, of course, looking at the championship series matchups and, of course, World Series uh, contenders here. First off, we're going to be talking about our Padres MVPs of the year and two honorable mentions to lead up. I'm going to let Omar go with his first honorable mention. So, for the meme, I wanted to say Gary Sanchez, who did have a good year, I will say, but I feel like it's he didn't do enough to be like, oh, <laughs> one of the best players on the team. Though I, st- I still very happy with his involvement this year. My number three, uh, so for longtime listeners, I don't know if y'all remember, but this is a man I snubbed two years ago when we did our top three Padres of the season. Uh, very controversially, because he did have a very good year that year. Um, arguably the best on the team. And this year, I feel like he has, um, how do you say, done the same work, and arguably with higher expectations. And that man is Fernando Tatis um, Jr. Interesting. Um, so obviously, going into the season, he had... A storm of criticism upon him, obviously the steroid scandal, obviously the uh, issues with his elbow, which he did get surgery for in the offseason, and also the um, the questions whether uh, how well he will do in his spot now in right field and not on shortstop. And honestly, God, I feel as though he took all those criticisms and despite the success of the team, he individually had a pretty good season. Um... Hold on a second. Let me actually look up its stats. I should have this already pulled up. That's on me. Um, this year, uh, 5.5 B-War, uh, 25 home runs, which is obviously a lot lower than his 40 home runs he recorded two years ago, but still, yeah. I feel like that's a very good tally. Um, 77 OPS, which is not bad at all. 29 stolen bases. So just a, just so 25-25 club, if that's a thing. I'll make it a thing. Um, just overall, I feel like it's just a very good season from Fernando Tatis. And obviously, um, that's not discounting his uh, performance in right field, which, I'm going to be honest, he could contend for a gold glove in that position. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to look up his F4 or his uh, DRS stats, but I'm pretty sure they're very up there. And, you know, maybe, maybe his, his ability in the outfield 
uh, is something that we can contend on for a while. And that's not to mention all his uh, defensive highlights out there, including uh, near the end of the season, I believe, a home run robbery and a lot of um, caught steal, uh, not caught stealing, uh, caught at home plate that was done by uh, Tatis and his arm. One thing I thought was interesting when uh, you brought that up was that I didn't see any errors. I'm looking at his fielding stats right now on baseball reference. I see zero fielding errors and 1,000, you know, 100% on his fielding percentage on, um, you know, his outfield play in right field this season. I think it's very interesting because you wouldn't typically say it was like a bounce back year stat wise, but I think based on what happened last year from him coming off of injury and then getting suspended almost immediately after, it definitely felt like a good year for him. And, you know, he stayed out of the media. He was very quiet. We didn't hear any dumb things, you know, as Padres fans. And that's what we wanted. I know there's a big possibility he goes to center field this season, uh, this upcoming season, I should say, in 2024. I'm all for it. But I think if you know he stays at right field, that's great as well. I think he is the most useful to the Padres as an outfielder, and he's proven it this year. And I'm very glad with um, you know how well he played this year. My honorable mention is Ha Sun Kim. This season, he had 17 homers, 23 doubles, 75 walks, only a 260 batting average, but a 351 on base percentage, a 398 slugging, and a 749 OPS. He did very well in the field as well. A really consistent player. He's gotten so much better from his first rookie season on the Padres. Recently, he just went back home to South Korea. And, you know, there's a lot of photos going around of him uh, being interviewed by the media there. We know the Padres have a big series in South Korea. Is it with the Dodgers? I can't remember. With the Dodgers? With the Dodgers? With the Dodgers, yes. In South Korea next year. I know there's been a lot said of, you know, the Padres need to move him or the Padres need to extend him or whatever. And that's a question for a later day, I think, because he is not a free agent until 2026. So in the 2024 season, I don't think you need to press that button. You don't need to really move um, anything regarding that. I think you know, Ha-Sung Kim is a Padre, a very good Padre, and should remain a Padre, of course, for next season without any sort of changes to his contract. I'm just happy we have him on our team, and he helps bring a steady defensive outfield and a good bat. Man, it's 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 crazy too with Hassan because I remember when I first started watching the Padres. Obviously, that was the same year that you know he joined, um, and like just seeing the fandom just like steadily build support for him over the years. First, kind of obvious, kind of as a joke, but now so more as like this is our guy. We are behind them, and honestly, like there are moments 
at home games. I like I haven't watched a lot of home games, but there are moments at home games when the crowd cheer him on more so than Tatis, Machado, or or you know anybody else on the team. So it's just really it's just really good to see the support. Uh, I will mention I probably mentioned this podcast before, but I will mention every time he hits a home run or does something spectacular, there is always a clip of the Korean broadcast on the Padres Reddit yeah. and Twitter. Just going crazy for him, and that just brings me joy every time I see it. That is, that is something always to look forward to with him. And you just gave me an idea. I'm gonna bring in this first take level hot take here. Of course, we talk about him being a fan favorite. I want to ask Omar: Do you think he's kind of taken the place of Jake Cronenworth as a fan favorite in the Padre lore here? That sucks because you know how I feel about Jake Cronenworth. I still love him, even though he hasn't been as successful as his first um, full year as a Padre. But honestly, I think I think you're right. Uh, I think uh, uh, Ha Kim, Awesome Kim, is kind of replacing the Crone Zone right now. You know, the last two years, Jake has kind of lowered the expectations and that we have for him, and first base wasn't quite the best spot for him and you know Hassan Kim's just better and riles the fan base up more in a positive way in any case not to you know be negative at all here <laughs> that leads us to our Padres MVP of the year of 2023 Omar are you ready Gary Sant no, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> shocker no so I want to I want to start off with a little bit of a so uh here on this uh podcast we like to make predictions a lot of the time um do not listen to our predictions on how many wins the Padres will have gotten this year we don't want to talk about that um we we did make mention uh we talked about it before the podcast you know uh that we had a, a selection of four teams uh and you know which ones do we think was going to do well this year it was let me just read it off real quick uh the the orioles the rangers pirates and d-backs we each selected one to see how and you know to say hey these these teams are going to do great this season i picked the orioles which in the regular season they did great uh do not talk about the playoffs uh based on you want to tell them uh, your pick (laughs) my pick was the pirates right yes Oh, I, I see. I see the logic. I the wanted. I wanted that. Was terrible this year. Yeah. I see the logic there. Um. Honest. Honestly, Rangers pretty solid pick. D backs surprising, but very very good pick there. Um. But we will uh, get into more of that in later on the podcast. Um. Uh, my point here is that um. I'm not sure if we made a prediction about this, but we both definitely commented on this man's start of the year. You said he was gonna do bad. I'm pretty sure. Or you just said he was, you know, going to regress a little bit. I said, this man does terrible every year at the beginning of the season. Then, you know, picks up on the back burners and just goes off. I, I, I thought he would get back into shape, but he wouldn't be as good as he was last year, which was mm. an amazing pitcher last year by the end of the year. Yes. So I thought he'd have like an average season and you thought he was going to go off. I'll give you that. Yes. Oh, man, I feel so vindicated. So, obviously, <laughs> um, listeners, we all know who we're talking about. We're talking about Blake Snell, our Padres MVP for this season. Congrats. Golf claps. Golf claps. He joins. Uh, I, I have no idea who we chosen for MVPs the past two years. Machado was last year. Yeah. Who was, who was 2021? I don't remember. Yours was Tatis. 
It's mine. Musgrove. It was Musgrove. Musgrove. It was yeah. it was Musgrove for the the no hitter. Yeah, so we were we were unanimous on Machado. <laughs> we were split on twenty twenty one. But yeah, um, same as this year, we're unanimous on Snell. Um, Six point B WAR, uh, two point twenty five ERA, uh, one of the highest in the league, if not league leading. I'm not going to check that right now. Uh, one hundred eighty innings pitched, two hundred thirty four strikeouts, just an overall beast this season. Every single time this man went on the mound. It just like like I know we don't talk about wins as a pitching stat anymore that much. Although I will say, fourteen wins over nine losses—it's a hell of a comeback from when he started with like zero wins and nine losses. I think on the year, or or like zero and seven, something like that. It was zero and seven, six or seven, and probably yeah. So hell of a comeback <laughs> from him. But we we don't talk about wins anymore as a pitching stat. But every time he went on the mound, it just felt like we were gonna win. Like, he pitched so deep into games for someone who, when he first started as a Padre, you know, the, the meme was, oh, they're going to pull him out of a game early because, like, some nonsense was going on. Uh, obviously, that was how he left the Rays when he joined the Padres. Um, but, like, the man has now become legitimately the best pitcher, I'd argue, in baseball. Like... I, uh, this is probably a bold claim for me, but let's be real. He will probably win a Cy Young award come the offseason. He will be uh, a, a pitcher in a very small group of people who have won both an AL and NL Cy Young award. So, you know, props to him. Um, yeah, just everything this man has done this season has been great. And uh, remind me again, he is a free agent in the offseason, right? Yeah, unfortunately so, yes. yes. I would love for him to say, but at the same time, if this is how he goes, well, this is a pretty good way to go. Blake's now one pitcher of the month in June and September of this season. He is among the Cy Young top group, among the predictors of Cy Young, the top group of players, of course. Um, he's definitely in the running. I'm not sure if they're going to give it to him. A lot of times they give it to, you know, a guy that is on a team that's at least in the playoffs. There's still some, you know, old sort of thinking with that. Um, I think he could win it, though. And just off the top of my head, without looking it up, I think the last Padre to win Cy Young was Jake Peavy. Yes. In like 2005 or six, something around there. With the Triple Crown, along with that. Triple Crown. And, you know, it, it'd be great for him to win the Cy Young, of course, as his perhaps last act as a Padre. We'd like to see him stick around, but I have a feeling this will be the last that we see him in brown and yellow. But he's been amazing. And, you know, he was the only constant this season that the team had. And it was like, for everything that was going wrong, like on a ship, you know, it was the one thing that you could count on the whole year after he started to you know get moving and it was so good to have that like okay i'm gonna watch the game today because snell is pitching and we have a chance you know it felt like we were gonna win every game like you said earlier like there were other good pitchers of course for the padres this season there were there plenty of other good outings but it always felt like okay even if he pitches well we're gonna lose but with snell it felt like we were gonna win and that's that's just a feeling you get you know, as fans or whatever, but Snell was dominant for a team that needed him to be. 
And, you know, it's a shame we couldn't get him in the playoffs, but I hope he wins Cy Young. He's our Padres MVP. So, it's no secret, Padres season ended in disappointment. But to make sure that 2024 doesn't start in disappointment, I tasked you and myself, Omar, on asking, what does the team need to do this offseason? If there was one thing, Omar, what is the team need for the San Diego Padres in the 2023-24 offseason? I kind of don't want to say it's like a, a position on in, in, you know, like the infield or the outfield. I kind of don't want to say bullpen either. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I don't... I feel like it's it's either going to be a coaching thing or just like a training thing on we need to fix our um hitting with runners in scoring position or our hitting during like pivotal moments. That's like um there was a set uh, I don't know the exact number but if you flip all the games where we lost by one run and that does include our horrendous streak in uh, extra inning games, we would have been the number one seed in the wild card. Or rather, I guess we would have been the number one wild card um, position. Like, that's how bad it was, you know? And, like, you know, like, we can do, like, all these, like, late season surges or whatnot, but at the end of the day, we need to fix our fucking hitting with their runners in scoring position. That's what we absolutely need to do. And I think that's more so... I don't even want to say it's a coaching thing. Maybe it's just a player's thing. We just need to fucking get it through our head that, hey, there's a runner on second position. Just fucking slap a single. Like, <laughs> bruh, <laughs> please. <laughs> I thought it was ironic when the last game of the season, I can't remember who was the last game, it was one of the last games of the season against the White Sox. They won an extra innings game and a one-run game, you know, both at once there. And it just like, you know, it made me roll my eyes so hard because they hadn't been able to do that the whole season. And of course, it was the White Sox who have, uh, you know, stopped playing in June, stopped trying in June. Their season had fallen apart long ago. Do you think that is like a, a coaching thing? Do you think it's it's somewhere where you can just get a different guy and he'll be able to reach the players better to have like a different approach maybe for the hitters? Or do you think it's like a whole clubhouse thing that requires many different, you know, facets being facets being switched and, and such? Obviously, oh. we're not in the clubhouse to know, but what do you think? So, coach's thing, you can't say it's, I don't think it's Bob Melvin. I don't think it's his fault, you know, because I feel like he is still a pretty, pretty solid coach. You know, last year we went to the NLCS. Let's be real. And I don't think this year was entirely his fault. And like yes, yeah, some questionable decisions. I went I don't think it, I don't even know who our hitting coaches, but you know teams love to fire hitting coaches. I think a year ago there was like fourteen different hitting coaches fired and hired throughout like the season or something. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's more of a players thing. I feel it's more of a clubhouse thing. We just need something. I don't know if it's like a a strong team leader like we always yell about. You know, obviously there was a lot of lots of reports coming through from Kevin AC, from uh, AJ Presseval, 
uh, from writers, you know, just being like, hey, there's something going on in the Padres clubhouse. It's toxic, blah, blah, blah. It's bad. It's very funny. As soon as AC writes an article like that, the team decides to go uh, 8-0 and in, uh, in regular season uh, games. I, I think I kind of agree with the writers on the whole, like, uh, there might be something in the clubhouse and they just need to fix it. And obviously that's something we can't really speculate on, you know, as as podcasters, as fans. As people that are not in the, the clubhouse and seeing what kind of work is being going in every day. It's hard to see, you know, what is going on in there. You do hear about, like, things with culture, and we'll get into the Rangers, for instance. But I I saw articles about how Bochi was, like, this calm you know, demeanor and culture that just, like, I guess, allowed every one of the Rangers to, Rangers to you know, take a breath and relax and just play, which, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing to ask your million-dollar baseball players to, to just play ball. Um, it's kind of weird that you need that sort of Zen master if we're talking about basketball, like, you know, Phil Jackson sort of thing. But, uh, you know, maybe that's something the Padres did not have this year. And I'm not saying it's Bob Melvin's fault or anything. It's just that we don't know why this happened. (laughs) And sometimes shit just happens. Who knows? Now, Omar, I'm going to say this. I have a different team need for the offseason. Nothing that you already brought up. Okay. I want you to take a guess as to what I might be thinking of. Something to do with AJ Preller? No. Ooh, okay. He dodged a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) AJ Preller and Bob Melvin seem like they're here to stay from from all reports that I've read. Is it a positional thing? It is not a position player. Hmm. Okay, I'm at a loss. What do you got? The Padres need a TV deal, Omar. (laughs) Bally Sports, of course, decided uh, to cancel paying their contract, which was supposed to go on for seven more seasons, or maybe this season plus six more seasons. And the MLB had to step in and pay the Padres up to 80% of what Bally was supposed to pay them this year. Of course, that means the Padres didn't lose that much money this year based on what they were expecting. But going ahead, the MLB will be giving the Padres essentially less and less money. Um, and the Padres need a TV contract. The Padres had, on the one hand, record attendance. I believe something like 61 out of the 81 games were sellouts. It was the most attendance for a season in San Diego Padres history. On the other side of it, the Padres had the highest payroll in team history, a top five payroll in the major leagues, and they lost their TV deal. TV revenue is the way that MLB teams exist. There's no TV contract like in football or even like in basketball, I believe, that just covers all of the teams where they have a large revenue sharing. I know there is revenue sharing. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, Peter Seidler is going bankrupt here. I'm not crying for billionaires, but it's simple as this. 
there's already been reported that the Padres are looking to trim the salary from where it was at $249 million opening day to get around $200 million, which is, you know, one-fifth you're just cutting out. We know Snell is going to be a free agent. We know that, you know, the Padres have other things looming. And it's very hard to really have an idea of the Padres signing anyone when you have that kind of giant rock over your head. How much is it going to break you, you know? So I think the biggest thing that the Padres, ownership, management, etc., needs to do is find somebody to pay for them and their TV rights so they can still afford to have a baseball team that can compete with the Dodgers. And I'm not saying that the only way to win is to have a gigantic salary to compete with the Dodgers. There are four teams left in the playoffs as of right now, and three of them don't have gigantic payrolls, I believe. But the Padres have built this team on stars and having a giant payroll. It's kind of hard to wiggle out of the the kind of team that you've built when you have Manny and Bogarts and Tatis already on long-term deals. So I would say the biggest issue for the team, for San Diego and their Padres, is to get a new TV contract. I don't care how you do it. Fudge the numbers, but we need a TV deal. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that, that I didn't really consider that. You know, I had forgotten about that whole thing with Bally um, having to uh, let go of the Padres and only the Padres, as far as I'm aware. No, they let go of the Diamondbacks too. Diamondbacks too. Okay, yeah. so they're probably in a similar situation. Um, but the so... Diamondbacks don't have you know as high of a payroll. As that's true. That's true. So it's not going to hurt them as much, I believe. Okay. They're probably kicking themselves because they just made the NLCS too. Uh, well, that that makes them look better. Yeah, that makes the Diamondbacks look better. You mean like Valley kicking themselves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what um, you mean. Yeah. But that's the question, though. It's weird, though, because you know, like um, mm-hmm. before I started before twenty twenty one, it was Fox Sports that we had the contract yeah. with, and then that converted into Valley Valley Sports San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. Just wondering now who who's gonna take us, or you know, do we like do what the Yankees, the Cubs do, and just have our own network? Which I'm not sure how financially sound that is. I'm gonna be real. The problem with the San Diego market is that when you have like a Fox Sports San Diego situation, I don't know what you really put on there because you have the Padres in the summer, and then like what other teams do they have you know you have the aztecs maybe if you're putting the college uh basketball and football games on there but they i think college football has their own thing with the each conference has their own like you know little tv deals and stuff in most markets like you know i'm i'm up in uh the northwest here you do have the blazers on their local network but we get like a mixture of Blazers games with Seattle too. So like if I had a cable thing, I would get access to the Mariners, uh, the Seattle Kraken hockey team, uh, the Seattle, uh, whatever they're called, 
Sounders MLS team, and I would get access to the Portland Trailblazers. So it like all groups together there. LA has its own market that doesn't share with San Diego in TV. And San Diego only has one of the top sports teams. I'm not sure. I don't follow the MLS, but does the MLS have games on like Fox Sports or do they have their own stuff? I know, of course, they have like an Apple uh, contract. They, they but... have a they have a deal with Apple that's um, kind of similar to like the NFL like game, uh, Red Zone. It's basically like you know um, mm-hmm. you pay for the MLS pass and you get all the games and everything. But, so but similar for instance, yeah. like you're an LA Galaxy fan, right? Yes. What game? What channel are those on? If you're watching TV, I believe I they're on. The, they're on the same channel as uh, Dodgers and Lakers, if I'm correct. Yeah, so like that's like Fox Sports. Or I think it was called Sportsnet. Uh, or something. Sportsnet. Sportsnet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is the the sports teams channel. Yes. And they 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 fit in with the other sports teams in LA. Mm-hmm. And San Diego, because of that doesn't have a lot to offer to make like its own channel i think there's not like a lot of potential revenue there they are getting their own mls team not in 2024 but in 2025 so that is a good thing that way you know maybe the mls team the aztecs and the padres all kind of come in there but i'm just you know worried is all i'm saying (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how that pans out during the offseason I, I do think that's the biggest thing, though, because if that doesn't get resolved, then I think you're going to see kind of like a chain effect go on for the rest of the organization, in my opinion. And that leads to my next point here, the Soto contract extension. Omar, is it going to happen this season? This mm. off season? Excuse me. Well, now that you bring up the TV deal stuff, that does make, that does make a big, big like thing with that because it's like if we, if we don't have money coming in from our TV deal, then where the fuck are we gonna find the money to get Soto still here <laughs> while also you know cutting down on the team's uh, payroll? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a very interesting, very unique he- headache for San Diego sports. You know, like what five odd years ago we were still. Um, Tatis was our hope. Chris Paddock was our hope. Uh, and, and the Padres had a bargain bin payroll five years ago. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we had signed Manny, but you know, and Hosmer. Uh, yeah, Manny and Hosmer were right. the start of it. You're right. That was the yeah. That was the start um, of a little bump. Shit, thing. does it happen this off season? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna okay. say no. It's gonna okay. it's gonna hold over our heads. At the start of <laughs> spring training. Really? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Not I'm that. actually going to say that the Padres need to make that move in the offseason here. They need to they need to answer the question. Mm-hmm. I feel like AJ Preller, I feel like that's what they're gonna do. Because if you think about the thing with Manny, they didn't let it get to opening day. They made, you know, that extension before opening day, secured Manny as a Padre. I feel like they don't like to do this in the offseason. The money is a huge issue. But I think the Padres are going to make like a half-hearted attempt at Otani or like another named, uh, big name 
signee guy. They're not going to get him. And then they're going to talk with Soto and see how much he wants to break the bank. And if the Padres have some sort of TV deal coming and they they have the money for it, they're going to they're going to do it then. And if they don't have the money for it, I think they're just going to keep him on the team and not extend him and hope for the best. That's kind of what happened it seems like with Snell. Like they didn't trade him. But at the same time, it's pretty obvious that we're not going to be able to sign him in free agency. It seems pretty dumb in retrospect. It was great to have him as a Padre, but am I being wrong here that it seems kind of dumb to just let a potential Cy Young candidate walk away for nothing in return? We could have traded him at the deadline for something, no? I feel like Soto it might go the same way. Mm. Yeah, in hindsight, I kind of agree. Not train away Snell, but at the same time, you know, like, it's not going to be like, oh, he went to another team and won a Scion on their team. Uh, I will take that right now over what we had this <laughs> season. Um, two things about Soto. Well, about about the upcoming free agency period, I'll be real. Um, yeah. Honestly, if we, if we, like, get Soto to a contract extension now, I wonder if that helps us with our TV deal. Because then we can be like, hey, Soto, you know, future Hall of Famer, hit 40 home runs this past year. Hey, if you if you give us a TV deal, he will be on that network. He'll be the star of that network. You know? I think that might be one of the ways the Padres have to try to shake it. Like, he's an asset that they still have control over right now. And if they sign a TV contract, then they'll be able to sign Soto. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, they kind of work both ways. Maybe. <laughs> I hope. Not not um, sure how TV deals with baseball really work. I'm not sure how no. much uh, TV executives assess over random baseball player being on their network, especially, you know, let's be real, how popular uh, MLB stars really are in the United States. Um, let's just say the talk of the town currently is not um, random baseball star, even though the playoffs are going on. Let's be real, it's the NFL right now. It's the NFL and the NBA has individual players marketed uh, a lot better. NHL not marketed great either, but that season did just start right now. You know, obviously it's October. Baseball's well, I'm out, I'm just out. saying as far as like individual players. Yes. I would yes, say yes. baseball would be third to MLB uh MLB would be third to number one NFL players, like quarterback specifically probably. Oh yeah. And then two NBA players, and then MLB would be after that, as far as like the little totem pole sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my second point regarding free agency, um, the fucking Otani bomb is this season. <laughs> yeah, worst time possible for the podcast. We've, we've talked about it, yeah. I think, on the podcast already. Whether the Angels mm-hmm. resign him or not, I think we agreed that he's probably not. Yeah. Um, but let's say like the soda contract is one thing, but that bomb, technically speaking, is a, a year from now. Yotani Mom is this year. Oh, dear. <laughs> I just hope the Dodgers don't get him because people are talking about him going to stay in L.A. and just go to the fucking Dodgers. And you know, people are memeing on the Dodgers right now for losing in the playoffs and saying, oh, he lost on the Angels and he'll probably lose on the Dodgers too. But it's like, fuck the Dodgers, man. Yeah, I've already told a friend. Um, I'm pretty sure Otani wants to win playoff games. 
know? <laughs> and uh, even then, I'm pretty sure he wants to win them at a nice stadium. Oh, yeah, I'm a hater. <laughs> we we are haters, especially right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thing with Soto, and I think we're we're in agreement there. It's it's very confusing because of the team, the way it's all set up, but. I really, the last thing I think that would happen is they trade him this off season. Oh, that'd be a ter- that'd be a terrible decision. No matter like the, what we get, if they trade him, it means that they're pressing you know the big panic button on their contracts, and they're like, shit, we need we need to get younger, we need assets, we need to be able to bring in young talent while we you know, build around Tatis and Bogarts and Manny, and we're not going to be able to spend anything else on anybody. That, that would be a big red panic button to me. So I'm not sure if you saw this, and uh, not to elongate this segment, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Passan, uh, mm-hmm. like, nothing but respect, uh, ESPN head insider for the MLB, uh, he sat on a podcast. He didn't tweet this out. He said this on a podcast, okay. that there was a possibility the Mets could trade for Soto because they have the farm for it. Now, if that trade happens, I don't care okay. what we get for it. If yeah. that trade happens, I will be sincerely surprised if AJ Preller still has a job the next day. For the Mets, it's just like a weird spiral thing because they obviously had a ton of really expensive contracts and then they traded, traded, traded to get younger and to kind of reset. And then they would trade again for Soto and give the Padres all those new assets that they just got. Obviously not all of them, but you know, it's a kind of weird thing. The Padres and Mets are very similar in a lot of ways with how they've been kind of disappointing this season after you know those lofty expectations in the playoffs the previous season. And the Padres did not ever seem like they wanted to reset, even when I think they should have. That would be so weird. It would just feel like the Padres wasted so much time if they got rid of Soto in the offseason here. You know? Yeah. In any case, we're not talking about the San Diego Padres any longer because uh, they didn't Yay. make the playoffs. Yay. <laughs> we're not back um, <laughs> um, So, or In April, I will be saying we're so back. <laughs> so in the opening rounds of the playoffs uh, we've we've already passed the DS here as of recording the Rangers Astros are going to be playing in the ALCS and we have the Diamondbacks and Phillies in the NLCS of course uh, a range of emotions we talked about it before we hopped on here where you know Padres fans are very happy that the Dodgers are out and I think you know, there's like a cumulative, like, eh, let's root for Bochi sort of thing with the Rangers. And let's be happy for the Diamondbacks for beating the Dodgers sort of thing. How do you feel about the playoffs? Is there any takeaways you have for it, Omar? Let's see. So Rangers, uh, obviously, I'm very sad. Uh, you're, you are probably more sad than me that the Orioles were swept so unceremoniously. Cool. Not a good look. I mean... The Rangers steamrolled them, man. I was hoping the Orioles could do better. I don't. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't think they were gonna make the World Series because they're too, you know, young and experienced in the playoffs. The Rangers, though, they came out and fought. I will hand them that credit. 
and it'll be interesting to see how they how they do in the in the ALCS. The Astros, obviously, uh, it's October. Astros baseball is just gonna be good. That's just how it is. We have to accept that fact now. <laughs> um, I'm just curious how they'll do against the the Rangers because it'll be like, will the Astros continue their World Series streak, if you will, appearances streak, or will the Rangers finally get finally put the put the beast to bed after so long? Uh, I say as the Astros will find a way to make the World Series again next year, but you know, mm, the Phillies, the Phillies, um, when they won their first game against uh, the Braves, I was like, okay, that, that's it's going to be. It's going to be the same deal again, and um, it, it and it was. You know, uh, last night uh, they were able to close out the series, and they just looked the better team throughout it all. They're honestly, uh, I feel like. They should be the favorite to win the World Series because they didn't quite make it last year um, to win it, obviously. But I feel like they have that chip on their so- shoulder, and I think the team overall is just better. And Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, uh, Aaron Nola—they have pe- they have very good pieces on their team that can win it all. And then there's the Diamondbacks, <laughs> <laughs> the surprise package of the year. They swept the fucking Dodgers. We couldn't do that. They swept the Brewers and the Dodgers so far, and and the Brewers as well. Another a yeah. team that has very good pitching and nothing else, but still, you know, <laughs> they were they were consistent winners, the whole season. The Brewers, yeah. two division winners, and then the D backs are here just fucking trashing on both teams, and now they're playing uh, they're playing for the pennant. Like two years ago, this team was a hundred lost team. They were terrible, and and now it. <laughs> just uh, props to them like i'm happy for them do i want them to win no because let's be real they're a division rival but at the same time like if they go on to win the world series fucking fair play to them they deserve it and you know uh props to zach galen their uh, uh star pitcher props to um Corbin carroll their rookie of the year nominee probable winner who's having a hell of a time out there <laughs> Um. Yeah. The 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 NLCS Phillies D backs. I did not expect that. That's gonna be one hell of a series to watch. Props to uh, really quick University of San Diego representative Paul Seawald. Uh, he uh, he of course was. Wait, wait. Fuck. Give me a second here. <laughs> Let me just make sure I have the right person. Seawald, the closer. It's either Seawold or Mark Melanson. I don't remember. I'm just trying to make sure it's the right first name I got here. Mark it Melanson is, is, a for, is a former Padre. Uh, nothing but yeah. respect. Shout out Paul Seawold. He was on the Mariners at the beginning of the season. And he ended up um, being traded to the D-backs in what was a huge head-scratcher. Because he was very good for the Mariners. The reason I know him so well is because my dad had him on, my fan, on his fantasy team. I know nobody cares about somebody else's fantasy team. Okay. But he was very good for the Mariners. He goes to the D-backs, and it was shaky at first, but he's been like their standard closer. He's been great for them, and he saved a few games already in the playoffs. And it's just a huge head-scratcher because the Mariners, of course, were still in the playoff picture. They just gave the Diamondbacks what they needed, which was a bullpen hand there, that you know, a guy that they could slot in at closer every night. And, you know... It's good for them to make a move to help their team win. Shout out AL East, which combined for an 0-7 mark in the playoffs between Oof. the Eight. Rays and the Jays losing in the 
wild card round and the Orioles getting swept 3 0. You see the stat for 100 win teams? I think it was like. Yeah, one shout out the Braves and the Dodgers for joining the Orioles in, in their misery there. Immediately, I saw the tweet. Immediately after the Braves lost, I saw a tweet from a, a, a yeah. account called uh, MLB Cancun that was like, all right, uh, Cancun Series <laughs> is back on this year. <laughs> It's just it, it's just um, the weirdest thing ever, but it it does make the playoffs special that the best teams can get eliminated so easily if they're not, you know, hitting their mark. AL East, of course, is the best division all year, and all three hundred win teams were the best in their respective divisions. So I think that's good overall for the sport because it tells you, hey, you just got to make the show, you just got to mm-hmm. make it to October, and then anything can happen. It gives you it gives you some hope if you're not rooting for a team that spends a ton of money, which as Padres fans, that's been us for all but the last three seasons of Padres baseball. I do think it's interesting that you have the Rangers and Astros playing in the playoffs. I don't know how many times that's happened. Never happened. It's never Never. happened because the Astros were in the National League up until, you know, the last decade Mm -hmm. and the Rangers hadn't made the playoffs I, I think in that whole time since the Astros have made it, or very rarely, uh, the Rangers, of course, made the World Series twice in like 2010 and 11, I want to say, or was it 11 and 12? Uh, but the Astros. Once against the, the Giants and then the next time against, I don't remember who. Um, they lost both, the Cardinals. They lost the yes, Cardinals too. Yes. Uh, but in either case, both of those were before the Astros moved over. And it is one of those things where it's like the Astros and Tech, and Texas Rangers, of course, are in the same state. They're state rivals. And it's kind of like uh, an interesting thing because, of course, in baseball, you have the Dodgers and Angels in separate leagues. You have the Yankees and Mets in separate league, Cubs, White Sox, so so and so. It's kind of like if the Phillies here were playing the Pirates as the Battle of Pennsylvania, you know. Or uh, Royals and um, uh, Cardinals, uh, show me series. Royals and Cardinals, yeah. So it's, it's definitely... Uh, you know, a new rivalry, but it's got to be a rivalry for fans of both of those teams in the state. So that's very interesting. Who wins the Battle of Texas? I do want it, of course, to be anyone but the Astros to win this season. Who do you <laughs> think is going to win, Omar? Kind of alluded to prediction in, in my uh, uh, my spiel, but I think the Phillies. I think the Phillies oh, yeah. are going to win. Mostly because I just... Bryce Harper is absolutely due. Like, that man is on a mission, and no one's going to stop him. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to the Rangers. I say they're the hot team, and they're going to they're gonna be hot, and they're going to be hot just long enough. Is that me saying that I don't want to see Astros and Phillies again? Yes. Is that me <laughs> saying that I don't want the Astros to even make the World Series again? Yes. But that's me also saying that I think the, Ast- the uh, Rangers have kind of this demeanor that they'll allow them to plow through a lot of these opponents. I don't think they'll be intimidated by the Philly crowd. Not, not that the Astros would be either, but I, I think they'll get past the Astros and they'll beat Philly in the World Series. Oh, in April, when the D-backs win the World Series, uh, we'll know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Those are our predictions, and that is this episode of the Faraway Fires podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know, Omar? 
<clears throat> obviously the NFL is on right now. If you're not rooting for the 49ers, you are wrong. That's my um, plug for uh, who uh, our, mm. our uh, new podcast, the uh, Far Away Niners. Oh, God. I hate, I hate how good that works. Uh, <laughs> far Away Niners. I'm, far away I'm sorry. Guy. My bad. Just, uh, uh, that, this uh, is all him, by the way. This is all him. Uh, the I'm Galaxy, still... they will win the MLS next season. That's that's all season. him. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm hockey, looking forward. The yeah, Anaheim Ducks, I hope Anaheim, they do better. Anaheim Ducks, goddamn. I, I hope they do better. I hope Trevor Seagas does good this year, obviously. Mm. Uh, what other sports do we watch? Um... I, I am ready for the NBA season to start in like a week from now. Oh, yeah, the, the Lakers are going to win or not. I don't know anymore. <laughs> the Raptors suck, but I'm there for it. Um you know they they are they are basically running their team into the ground because they're in this weird position where they don't want to blow it up and they they don't want to trade their assets but they didn't trade four assets so they're just they're just mid they're mid as I mean, fuck and that's not a good place to be in as ba- in basketball you want to be better or worse than that um i i bought nba 2k Ooh, uh i got the uh I got the pre the pre order and everything. It comes with NBA League Pass and stuff. I've already quit playing NBA 2K because it's a garbage basketball game. Nobody should ever play it. Good. But I am looking forward to League Pass because it comes with uh, my purchase there. <laughs> I saw that 2K had like a thing where like you could start a franchise mode in like the 80s with like that is like cool. 80s accurate team. I saw that. I thought that was that is cool. cool. So um, so really yeah. quick to get into that. We we should probably stop recording. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell Omar more about 2K and other sports things after this. But I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Far Away Friars podcast. Thank you. What a way to end it. Yeah. See you all next year. <laughs>